Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theme of the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe or listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there's an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me A Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk coming strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram, like a blocktalk, on Twitter, blocktalknyc, and visit themeofthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. We took a trip back to the Ren Fair so the monsters can film the Dungeon and Drag Queen sequel. So who succeeded in their quest and who was cursed back to death? It's time to talk all things Dragula Titans. And joining me on this campaign is the fabulous Just JP. How are you? Dra, 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 Dragula. I'm doing great. How are you doing? You know, this show, it gives me Ajra. <laughs> it uh, takes you on a wild ride with actually really good editing this season. <gasps> In yeah. terms of of the cinematography or editing of the show, um, both. <gasps> oh, you not agree? No. Well, friends, we're going to be getting into it a lot this episode because I think the editing of the story this season has been what is ever below an F. Oh, wow. Well, there are a lot of people who are not um, alone in thinking that. Um, I'm not alone there. Um, I just, I, I want truth. I want reality. I want to know what is real. I am tired of trying to understand what is forced upon those monsters to say and what is here for storyline because y'all, so these people are smarter than this. I have been enjoying it. I think they're being so shady and playful with the editing. Um, I am enjoying it a lot. This this is possibly my favorite Dracula season so far. Interesting. See, I'm like, this acting is worse than telenovela. I, I like it because it's so okay. telenovela. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm going to leave the disclaimer. This is an entertainment podcast. We are discussing reality TV show characters as presented to us through reality television production. We are shown what the editing of a television show wants us to see. We react to what is presented. Yes, these are real people that have been given the opportunity to go on television to share their craft, but they have also put themselves in a position to be discussed. What is said on this podcast is for entertainment to discuss a reality television show. Yes. There we go. Be nice. Oh, I can be nice, but I'm talking about what's presented. And, Not you. And... Everybody else on the internet, just be exactly. nice. Exactly. Create your own podcast, and you can apparently say whatever you <laughs> Okay. Be bussy, queen. I mean, busy. Oh god. Listen, oh, we're gonna edit I, that one not, out. We're not going to get into um the bussy out of it all because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very conflicted on the entire situation, but that's a whole different world. That's a different podcast. You that's can find it podcast. by following. No, we all know my opinion on Kimura more. Okay, well, Kimura is not a contestant on Dracula, but we have amazing ghouls uh, that went to the Ren Fair this week. Well, have you ever been to the Ren Fair? 
Yes, I have. Uh, let me tell you, a friend of mine, Tilla the Honey. Hi, Tilla. Uh, Tilla uh, took me to Ran Fair once because we used to play this game called Puzzle Pirates. And oh. it, yeah, I know, right? I met her through that game. So we would play every night. And then one day we, I went to New Orleans and uh, she went there too because she doesn't live there. And um, a friend of ours that actually lives in New Orleans, um, Flutie, Flutie was like, well, there's a rent fair going on. We're going to go. And I'm like, what is that? So I went. I did not have any clothes that would fit. This. So I was a tourist, right? <laughs> but it was amazing and my favorite part was the axe throwing and i was surprisingly uh -huh. really good at it so if... i'm not surprised i think you could kill oh yeah i will i will kill um of course a turkey leg because i had to be a mm -hmm. uh, hashtag basic bitch uh yeah it was really fun and it was fun because it was also i didn't understand how adjacent to drag it was then to me, it was like all these beautiful people dressing up in costumes and makeup, which is basically what drag is. So uh, this is a great challenge to squeeze those creative juices out of uh, drag performers. And yeah. we saw amazing things this episode. We did. And we saw things that were like, well, that happened. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's dive in. The monsters made it another day, and we have to listen to them bitch and moan about Avora. Why? Well, because apparently that's the leading plot line of the season. Astrid is so glad that Avora is going to go home. And I got to say, the whiplash I get from Astrid from episode to Astrid episode uh, and how she feels about Avora, like, I guess it's a bit, all really depends on how horny for Oposo she is. Yeah, that triangle. I, um... Well, you use the word telenovela is just is just very that. Mm -hmm. And I just want somebody to edit this like an Indian telenovela is edited with the flashes and the. Uh -huh. That's uh -huh. how I want to see this because this is a lot. This now Victoria is torn. Who went home? Erica thinks that Kendra served sci-fi in the look, but wasn't getting harm. Astra believes that Kendra wasn't as prepared as everyone else. Regardless, she gave it her all and never had a bad attitude, and apparently that's the new barometer of how you stay on this show. You can suck, but if you're a good person, sure, you get a free pass. I um, how it worked in life, I would be like a billionaire. Yeah, I think that you, you gotta be prepared. You gotta look at what you're bringing, and I would imagine walking into a competition like this. Uh, well, I mean, we've heard it from many people and you see around the room, like I feel like infamously uh, the uh, late Chichi the Vein mentioned that she looked around the room and she was like, oh, my God. You know, so it's like I imagine that if you come in, uh, you know, on that position that you, you know, you know that you got to bring it. Cause of course. Because you didn't bring it. And, and again, like the, the, the thing for me is this is not season one. This is not season two. The show has been around for long enough that you know your competitors are going to be at a eight, nine, ten in every look. You cannot be at a one, two, three. Especially on Titans. Like mm -hmm. this is people's second, third time competing. It's true. Like, you know, you know, they're going to level up. So you got to level up as well. Now, Coco does think this is why Kendra should stay over a bore, and Hoso joined the world of flip-flopping as she says that Kendra sounds and acts like a person who should be going forward. 
Erica really does think that Abora will stay and Hosa will remain the one in the room that um, says, well, Abora will not be fun time to be around, but she's going to probably stay. Now, Melissa will bring up the cauldron incident where she felt that Abora says that she better not come back was a threat to her, which I find it to be a reach. I don't know the monster, so maybe there's something deeper in there, which maybe we'll get to later on this episode when she said she felt threatened by Abora. I was like, yeah, the camera was on. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, this is also a very high pressure situation of in course. which, you know, so- someone may be saying something in jest or in feeling, in, like in their feelings and if the other person is also in their feelings too, something small can land as something serious. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hoso will now bring up about how Bora went back to her and whined about do- what she did and what she said. And apparently Hoso is not here for the self-deprecation. Erica was not there for the speech about mastering drag, um, which we did not get to see. We had to see it through a flashback this episode. So this is the editing that I don't love. It's like, show us what is going to happen later on. Don't show us in a flashback. If it's important to the plot line later, tell us lay it now. Now, Ashley's thing is she is inside her own head in the worst and best way possible and takes it out on everyone else. But Coco doesn't want to hear any more about this as they all protect Abora. But let's just remind everyone it's the Mean Girl 3 who keep on bringing up Abora when no one else is bringing her up. Huh. Every time. It's one of the three of them who brought, brought her up. But Victoria says they would have had her back if she wasn't toxic, but Astra believes she would come back and say the same thing she did last time with an apology where she will go back to being a monster. Victoria says they that she's not seen her change since season two. She may seem like she's acting genuine, but she can see right through it. Now, I just love that we know that she is right behind the wall, (laughs) listening to everything. (laughs) Yes. And that's why I no longer know what to trust about this show. It's because they're all saying this. Were they told to say this? Did they know there's a potential they're going to say this and the bitch is going to walk right back into the room? They're going to have to defend themselves. That's the authenticity that I can't get behind because I don't know who's being authentic. I mean, we can say the same for Drag Race too. Like they know that they're behind the curtain. But we never bring back eliminated queens like this, where they talk shit before. Um, the only we've had it one time. We had a gag uh, in the mirror, and that was why it was such a gag moment because we never do that on Drag Race. This one, they're they're always back in the boudoir. No one, someone's coming back. Well, they, it's either one or the other. Got it. So that's got it. The got big it. difference. Got it. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So what, yeah. Okay. And at the same time, like. It, like the format of Dragula, like they know they're they know somebody's gonna come back, so they know they're going to have to account for the words that they say. So Abora also like walking in knows that if she just goes into the same, I mean it's kind of like a warning for her if if she oh, goes into the same um, speech that she's done before. What Astrid said, right? That it's gonna come back with an apology. Blah 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 blah. Um, she knows not to do that now because if she does it, she's just gonna end up looking like an idiot, which she ends up looking like kind of like an idiot anyway. So, mm-hmm. well, what's gonna happen this week? There are curveballs left and right, and then she walks right in the room. It's her Abora. 
Now, again, the acting, was this told to them to be not happy to see Abora and Abora asked to put on the facade or were they just unaware that they do this in front of the camera and uh, they're just all being awkward? I don't know. It is what it is. But Eva will tell her that she annoyed everyone and Abora will solemnly say that she is embarrassed by what she said and hopes she can move past it. And just wait. The spin will happen faster than your head will spin if you're possessed by the devil. Melissa, I'm looking at you and we'll talk about it later on. Eva will tell her to put up or shut up as no one wants to be around her anymore. Meanwhile, Astrid will say she can deal with the sadness, but she can't deal with the maliciousness. Obora yep. is ready to focus on the competition and have fun again. Which okay. I don't believe. Not, I don't believe. How can you how can you go three episodes being this person and out of like and just have it flip a switch? Um I don't believe it. Listen, the word fun is going to be the buzzword of this entire episode. So we're just going to like, every time every time we say the word fun, um, take a drink because it's going to happen a lot because it's going to be the death of somebody, literally. Yes, or smoke, uh, smoke a bowl. Every time we say fun, smoke a bowl. Do that too, that's fun. Now Coco will tell her that she doesn't hate her, but she can't help noticing a pattern and she's yes. not here for it. Yes. Aurora will bring up that she had a heavy pattern of drinking and she broke that, so she is trying to work on it. Now, how do you feel about Abora saying this and the collective cringe in the body language by the people around her? Do they not believe it or are they seeing this as an excuse? Because let's be honest, this is a very, very big thing to say and admit. And if they're not believing it, that's really a big thing about Abora's character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I didn't really... Okay, so she's saying that she's trying to break the pattern of her being this person that brings people down, that is very negative, that looks after the drama, but then gets upset when people, you know, don't want to be drinking being the, the thing she falls back on because of it. Right. Um. Yeah, I I was confused and I still don't like follow those dots because I didn't realize that we were talking about the drinking. I thought we were talking about exactly, and that's where right. it came out of nowhere. So I'm like, wait, is this a new development? Do they all know? Is this something that the editors forgot to tell us were in the beginning of the season? Because this is very very important. But then I would also, in a way, um, and not I'm not cringing at her i'm cringing at the idea that you're comparing being a person that brings the room down dramatic and hard to deal with person comparing that to drinking mm-hmm. that's where i'm like oh how does this connect i don't think right. there is a connection here so right. if she's saying that oh she's able to bring to break this pattern because she has been able to break other destructive patterns for her in the past. Okay, I hear that. And more power to her because if, if she, you know, like sobriety is a really difficult road. Mm-hmm. And I uh, want to support her in, uh, or support them in their, um, their journey, right? And it's just, uh, bringing it up at that moment, I also kind of cringe a little. Yeah. Coco says she understands the healing journey, but it should not be complicit, distract, or complicate her own personal journey. 
Actions do speak louder than words, Borum. And Hosa says that actions have to be shown. Abora g- says, give her a chance. And Coco's like, we did last week and the week before that. Yeah. And apparently, at some point that we did not witness, Kendra said to her that every new day is a blank slate and she will take this to heart. It's the fairest thing she can do for her as she can continue in the sisterhood. When did she say that? Why can't we know that? Put that on camera. That's a sweet moment. Come on, show us. Because now I'm like, did she say that or did you pull that out of your ass? Because if you pull that out of your ass, you should be writing those um, pretty signs that moms buy for their walls. <laughs> yes. You can get them at home goods. You Not sure sponsored. can, my home sweet home. Now, in <laughs> confessional, Coco doesn't think Abora believes her own apology, so why would she? Ashford says that trust has been broken and will be more and more difficult to rebuild and will take more and more and more and more work from her. Now, in confessional, Abora will tell us that she doesn't think it's fair that she's the only one who has to change her attitude, but she says she'll do it while having an attitude. (laughs) And this is where I'm like, I don't know what to believe out of you. Like, Uh I know like confessionals are filmed like later on and everything, and it's like almost a retrospective as you as a contestant, but I don't know. I'm like the believability of Abora as a narrator is at a zero. Which seems to coincide with her believability and the rest of her life within Dracula. Within Dracula. Within Dracula. Right. Let's say. Coco remembers the past. If the others want to give her a clean slate, they can, but she remembers. And Coco says that every time Abora has someone to back her, even when she pulls this, and Hosa says, Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And then Astrid's like, It's me. I'm also the problem. It's me. Um, and she's like, also, I would do the same shit for you, Coco. I would get you Taylor Swift tickets, even though Ticketmaster pulled it completely. Oh, not the Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> what a fucking nightmare. That's the fright feet. Get Taylor Swift That's tickets. the fright feet. <laughs> Figure out a way to get T-Swizzles tickets. Did you, were you able, it sounds like you were not able to get tickets. Oh, I'm not a, a Taylor Swift fan, so I don't, okay, really, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't really, really, really care. Um, I just think it's hilarious. And, and and now everyone's like, I hate Taylor Swift. She's a capitalist. And they no canceled Sherlock. Right. And they canceled the a general sale because mm-hmm. there were I, I was I don't understand that. See, the two things I don't understand is Avora and Ticketmaster. Well, that's another podcast. <laughs> All right. So um we're gonna cut to episode one where Astrid's like, oh, I'll have your back, Coco, and then we see. Astrid vote for Coco. LOL. <laughs> sure, girl. Melissa hasn't yeah. had her sp- head spin quite yet, as she could give two shits about Abora's apology and wants her to go home. She's here to win a $100,000, and that's on period. But it's time for a fun new week. And there's the alarm. Get, to, get thee to the main stage and take a hit of your bowl, because fun, fun, fun. <laughs> fun. We didn't uh, hit the main stage. So see, this week's video made attention to all thrill-seeking orcs, goblins, elves, and gnomes. That it's a time to raise your swords, answer the spells, and answer the call to adventure to for this week's Dungeons and Drag Queens yay. level two, the Underdark Challenge. Yay! Now, just JP. Yes. Are you a D and D fan? I am a D A D A J adjacent person. Uh-huh. Um. I don't have a time commitment to be able to, <laughs> yeah. because I mean, one of the biggest things about D and D is that when you start a quest, like you, you you gotta 
see it through. Um, it is really disruptive to the gameplay when somebody, you know, misses uh, mm-hmm. a session or is inconsistent about their attendance. Like that is really disruptive. So I, as much as I would love to play, I am just too busy. I it I find it really hard to make time for it. Although I love the uh, openness that it gives people to create the characters that they mm-hmm. want to create and live this fantasies that otherwise we wouldn't be I, able to. I have never been involved in Dungeons and Drag Queens. Um, not necessarily by choice, but it's just never been in my orbit. I didn't really ever have friends who did it. And the only friend that I did have it um, I didn't know until way after that. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing D&D tonight. I was like, what? what? I've known you for five years. This is, this is new information. D&D, um, is that a threesome? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very interesting world. I wonder how I can make a drag version of it. Not like this, but like an actual drag version of it. Like where it's actually drag queens. I'm like, we'll see. Maybe one day. Um, but for this floor show, they will be teleported to the realm of swords and sorcery, where they have to give a look inspired by wizards, barbarians, warlocks, and elves, and then model the looks live on location in the Renaissance Fair Village. They will also be split into two teams, where they have to memorize and act out a live-action role-playing adventure in their underdark maze. They will not choose their own class or race, as they will be the dungeon masters and roll their own 20-sided die to determine what they will be. And we all know this is a crock of shit. They arrived with their looks. Sure, they have either decided prior to casting what they were going to be, or they walked in and saw their looks and said, okay, this is what you say you are. This is where you're going to be. Do not believe this overacting bullshittery. (laughs) Um, Okay, I think they were just assigned from ahead of time. Yeah, that's fine. Which is fine. but uh, don't act surprised when they tell you then. Right. That's my problem. At this point, the Boulets have to understand we're not dumb. We have caught on to the game. We have all watched enough drag television to know that this is all pre-planned. Just say what they're going to be. Like, let yeah. us in on it. Be like, this is what we decided. Don't say we decided for you. and going to have to suck it up and deal with it. Because there was no moment anywhere in this episode of, fuck, I don't know what to do for this character. Because they already knew it. Which brings me, or we will get there eventually, so I'm not bringing anyone anywhere. Um, But it's even more disappointing when I saw some of the things that some people brought. Right. Give me a full-on design challenge on Dragula, and then I'll be like, yeah, this show is actually live and legit. Yes, but that is a different TV show, I guess. They don't do that. I guess so. Abora will be the dark elf druid. Victoria is elf priestess. Coco will be the elf barbarian. Erica is gnome rogue. Astrid is human bard. Eva is human paladin. Hoso is dark elf ranger. And Melissa is human barbarian. What would you be? I don't know. An elf priestess <laughs> sounds pretty cool. That's cool. There we go. So I'll, I'll go with that. Although the, the paladin... um. The uh, the only other place that I had heard that word was in Age of Empires, mm-hmm. so um, that also made me like really excited. So when I when I we'll get to um Eva's look in a minute, but um, yeah, I really enjoy that. 
Now for the fright feet. It's so scary. Oh my God. Like I would scream in terror. It's a tug of gore. That's right. A fucking <laughs> tug of war. Have we run out of ideas this early into the season? Um, I find it. Um, I find it that they are choosing to allocate budget on other parts of the show because to have fried feats that are frightening, there it's not usually cheap because it involves a lot of planning ahead and hiring professionals and hiring a safety crew and making sure that people are actually safe because we don't want anybody, you know, hurting themselves or dying. Um, so, so, so I understand why, you know, if they, I understand if the budget constraints, like this is the types of fright feats that we're going to get. Um, I also don't really think they're much consequential to the show because like uh nobody's gonna choose not to participate on a tug of war right i mean here here's my idea for a fright feet you want to go like super horror fly in their biggest enemy their skeleton in the closet make them sit across from them at a table and spend 10 minutes without fighting that's a fried feet. <laughs> fried feet. Fried feet is how you have to um <laughs> psychological warfare. Bring in Melissa's partner and let's see them have to fight it out. Only oh God. By fight it out, I mean be nice. That's what I want to see. That's funny. You have to come out to your parents if you haven't come out to them yet. That's fried feet. That's that listen, that is a cheaper way to do craziness. And it's it's different. It's fun. But this game, they will be split into two teams where they have placed either on either side of a giant pit of gore. They will have to use their strength to pull the other group forward into the pit of gore. Um, the winning team will get to choose their script for the role-playing segment and thus, again, sign the other team theirs. Mm-hmm. And the scripts are not created equal. No, no. And to make things even more bullshittery, the dungeon masters have picked the teams based on what would be the most unfair and, noma- and dramatic. Now, here's my issue with the season now. Essentially, the queens have no say in their fate at all. What the Woolays want is what they get. I know I said that they likely had planned ahead what their characters were, but it was presented to us that it was not. Fine. Now we have them pick their teams, which we will discuss about how fair or unfair they were later. I know we don't want to compare shows, but at least on Drag Race, it appears that the queens are the masters of their own fate. Nine times out of ten, they either pick their roles or the teams or of some or someone else that gets to win and pick their roles. That's my problem. It's like without any extermination challenge at the end of the day, they are literally doing what the Boulets say they have to do, and they have to believe what the Boulets think, and that's on that. There's no deciding how their fate is in this competition. Yeah, I think the production meddling on Dracula happens more in pre-production uh, compared to on other shows like Drag Race that it happens on post-production. Because on post-production is where really like they put the pieces of the puzzle together to to make it happen. And here it feels like there are uh, yeah those predetermined predetermined fate right like mm-hmm. with the way that the uh, two teams were crafted today. Uh, yeah, I prefer it when 
that that uh, illusion of uh, randomness and being able to have their own power. I prefer when we have that. Like the first episode, uh, because this just, that's yeah. that's yeah. what I want. Let that happen. What what's yeah. wrong with doing it that way? Yeah, that's not the way they decided to do it. No, because the fate of this entire episode was pre- predetermined, and it's hard to not think otherwise. But more on the judging in a bit. We have arrived at the gross field where I'm cer- fairly certain the clown car race was filmed last season. Um, it's got that stench of desperation, doesn't it? Um, they've featured this field actually in multiple seasons because this was where Madeline Hatter was having her meltdown too. Well, not this the field for the um the tug of war. We, we'll, oh no 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 we'll yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I see. I was rushing <laughs> to the front. Now this pit is nasty. What do you think was in it? Uh, 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 mud and food coloring. And... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely food coloring. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, this, it doesn't look like blood. It just, it, it looks too red. Yeah. Um, here are the teams. We have Eva, Coco, Abora, and Hoso versus Astrid, Melissa, Victoria, and Erica. Now, on paper, knowing that this is going to be an acting challenge, which team has the strength? Wait, what was the teams again? <laughs> Eva, Coco, Abora, Hoso versus Astrid, Melissa, Victoria, Erica. Um. So I don't. I'm excited. I'm excited for two people in each team. I feel like the team that would edge the other team, I guess, um, would be Victoria, Erica. It was the other two people. Astrid and um, Melissa. Astrid, yeah. To me, from that team, I feel like the weakest link would be Melissa because I feel like Astrid would do a good job because they're so into D and D, and I feel like Victoria always does like a job, and Erica is um, a great. Uh, they're very quick on uh, on their feet, and they improvise really well. Um, so I would have thought that that group would have been the best, but apparently it wasn't. Now we're going to have Melissa take her shirt off. So Eva's like, here, here's my hairy body. Love it and enjoy it. Astrid has her. a shit-eating grin, and apparently Hosa really wants to punch that punchable face. Now I ask, punch or face fuck? You decide. The challenge is on, and well, it's very, it's anticlimactic. Not going to lie. Um, as I've learned from watching many, 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 many seasons of Survivor, the strategy is get low and stay low. You can't be pulled if your center, center of gravity is low. Mm-hmm. Have you ever successfully won a tug of war? No, I never participated in one, actually. I think Drag Gauntlet needs to have one. Oh, God, not, not the gauntlet. Um no, there is no space or apparently budget for, for something like this. Damn it. Maybe Watch season seven. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe season seven. All stars, all cities will have it. There it is. The winners are Melissa, Erica, Victoria, and Astrid. We are now at the Renaissance Fair as the wenches have made their way to the saloon where they will determine the scripts. Also, the fact that Eva called her Astrid. I used to call her that at her shows because that's what Madeline used to call her. Um, and now we're going full circle because it's the location of Madeline's infamous meltdown. More on that soon. Everything comes full circle. I love it. But Astrid, I love that. Oh, that's why I used to call her all the time. 
she was a New York <laughs> queen. Then COVID happened. Then COVID happened. All right. Well, we have the quest script, which is regular, and the curse script, which is backwards. Asher thinks the curse script is more interesting, but she will let her team decide. Victoria is thinking the quest script because they will trip up less and it's easier. And Melissa says she wants quests because English is her second language and she will have a hard time with the other one. Erica will be like, I'm a team player. I will let my team decide. And I will also apparently let my team seal my fate by playing it safe. Abora wanted the curse script because she feels the more challenging dialogue has a lot more energy and more entertaining. Which script would you have selected? I would have also selected the curse script. I think it I, it was just written better, I think. I agree. Um, and that's why, I mean, they clearly said, I'm, I'm not going to bitch on this one. They clearly said all scripts are not created equal. So they, they warned them. Um, do you think Erica and Astrid should have been a little more, but like, come on, we, we have the power here and like push them to do it? Because there was only like a, 30 second moment maybe two three lines each where they had to do the backwards portion it really wasn't that bad um uh should have they been more uh encouraging to do the harder script well if you already have somebody so i as somebody who has who is english as a second language Mm -hmm. uh I would have, I I I want to respect Melissa. I feel like Melissa really only had the the only ac- acceptable um, argument for wanting Absolutely. a script that is easier on her. I feel like, yeah, I feel like she, that would be the only reason why I would hesitate to be like, okay, come on, let's do this. Because if somebody's telling me, listen, like this is going to be difficult for me to do. I want them not to go into it stressed or worried about fucking up because if they are, then they're more likely to make a mistake and then make the team look bad. Yeah. Um, although it's a competition, so I would be like, well, you know, um, so you you got to wait the possibility mm-hmm. of only Melissa doing bad or Melissa doing so bad that then everybody else looks bad. Well, I mean, I think this was the right decision for them to be as a team and listen to Melissa because otherwise it could have opened a whole different can of worms. Yeah, um, it would have been a different episode. Oh, it sure would have been. Um, and that, but that's the thing. It's like knowing what the critique's going to be later on for Erica. It's it's just it all feels very confusing and sad. Um, yeah, but also if if the curse is that you can't speak good English, then wouldn't be in English as a second language. An advantage. <laughs> right. So that that's where I'm like, I think there could have been a little more push if they if they had access to the scripts. I don't know yeah. if they had access to the scripts at this moment. So maybe that's part of the reasoning that they knew something maybe. was happening. So whatever. Maybe, maybe now the conversation is who has played DD and Astrid, of course, has. Well, we're gonna get a montage of Astrid explaining the game of Dungeons and Dragons, and I do not know how long this actually went on for, or if this was just shady editing. But the girls were like, "Does anyone have a muzzle or a sword to shut this bitch up?" And then it leads into the confessional, and I was like, "Okay, this is very funny." I died a little bit. Yeah, that was the, the great editing that I was talking about. These are the moments that I enjoy yes. because it it really shows. Um, their character, like it shows Astrid, uh, Astrid's character, but it also like makes it funny and enjoyable. It was Absolutely. really funny. 
And I listen, I like when someone's passionate about something. It's kind of yes. very hot. Like I like when someone's like able to tell me what they love. Yes. That's cool. Eva doesn't know about D&D, but she knows how to act. So she wants everyone to warm up as she is a trained thespian and winner of her season's acting challenge. Now, I have to say, this was hilarious to me. You warm up right before you were about to go on stage, not hours before because you have to still put on pounds and pounds of makeup on your face because that warm up means nothing to you in the moment. I I didn't even realize people, well, I mean, uh, I have my own version of it uh, when I go and perform in drag. So I guess I have my own warm-ups, but I didn't realize that Thespias had their own version of a warm-up. I also didn't realize that doing this will make your diction better. Yeah. JP, can I tell you something? What? It doesn't. Right. This is all bullshit. Like, honestly, a lot of this was really bullshit. And I think it was just played up for the cameras, but like, I've went to acting school and I didn't learn any of that shit. Well, is no. it real or did production tell them to do that? That's the question of the season. Also, Hoso thinking a thespian is a theater lesbian is so stupid, but kind of factual. I mean, uh, it is. Uh, I mean, the words match, right? Mm-hmm. Theater lesbian, thespian. Yeah. Now, again, the way that they were doing these warm-ups, terrible. I have seen versions of these things uh, uh, out of control. But Astrid knows that Eva wants to lead, so she will let Eva be the dungeon master. Uh, my favorite was the pretend ball game that they were playing. Very fun to watch. They all got into it. They were, they, they were very good at that. Uh, yes, and I... What, what kind I, of ball I, would you throw? Um, no, a bowling ball was correct. I wish that... Um, I wish that Coco had put a little bit of that oomph of the weight of the bowling ball into actually carrying her prop, but we'll get there. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. When Hoso said, now I know the reason why theater gays are hated across the universe, I've lost all respect. How dare thee? I mean, you are a complicated bunch to please. Your you, your standards are very high. And I want a Broadway challenge so badly right now. A Broadway challenge? Yes, I want a boulezic No, I want a boozical. A boozical. Give me a boozical. <laughs> there it is. We need a boozical. You know what? They can be like a, a version of Rocky Horror. There, there it is. That that lives in the world of Dragula, right? I guess. What are are there horror musicals? Rocky Horror, Little Shop of Horrors. I guess so. Yeah, there's we got some horror musicals out there. Van, anything Dracula related? There's, there's a lot of those. Uh, the Woman in White is about a ghost. There's, there's some out there. We got some. Yeah. Glee is kind of horror, isn't it? Very horror. Um, but there's one thing that I learned um, about this whole segment. Um, Erica was having fun. Mm-hmm. Just saying. 
when the teams break <laughs> off, Eva thinks that the other team is not going to be experienced in this challenge, and Aboro doesn't want to go get too sure of themselves just yet. Eva says she's not, and this is an acting challenge, and some of them are taking it more seriously than others. So wait, here, wait, look, logic here. If Eva can take it seriously, and that's okay, why can't Erica take things seriously? Okay, just put it back. Um, okay, um, would you like an answer? Let's save it for when that comes up. Okay, 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 okay. Now, Eva is, of course, referring in this moment to Astrid and her silliness towards D&D. Astrid says her team's first read-through was great as they were finding their pace, and of course, we are not privy to any of it. We do not get to see any of the said reading, but apparently it's very important. Coco has zoned that team out, and Erica notes that the other team went fine and is working around their texts, which is great. Thanks for telling us. Would love to have seen it for myself, but I'm going to trust you, girl. Um, now, remember when I was talking about some head spinning? Let's discuss that moment as Melissa will ask Abora to step aside to talk. Now, did you think it was for her to beat the shit out of her? Because I kind of did. Um, I knew that it was most likely production being like, y'all need to talk now. Now, instead, Melissa's going to be honest and begin that everyone is over her and on her because of the way she's been acting and that she can't blame them. But Melissa feels bad that she's standing by herself. We will see Melissa completely backtrack and say that while she doesn't give two shits about her apology, she does care about Abora as a person. Melissa will somehow equate Abora being angry that they all want her gone and irrationally lashing out to Melissa being called homophobic things in high school. I totally get the sentiment, but... um. It was a bit of a stretch in the moment. Like, you think Melissa being bullied by straight dudes in high school is the same as Abora saying they better not see her back in the competition? It didn't quite equate the same experience for me. Because Abora didn't mean it as a threat. She just wanted to show that she had a fire and will do whatever she can to stay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and all we really can do is take what she said face value, right? This mm-hmm. is where this is where it's, it's complicated because we have these doubts of how sincere these people are being, and we really have no choice but to believe that they are. Right. Yeah. Melissa says that she is sober as well, and she was choosing the wrong decisions while she was drinking. And Abora says she was dreading talking to her because she said all the things and wouldn't have blamed her if she didn't want to talk to her again. Melissa will tell Abora that trust is not given, it's earned, and she's just going to have to try. And I really thought watching this interaction that Melissa knew the writing was on the wall, that she might be going. Um, I mean, based on all we saw, I was like, you are the weakest link goodbye, but we're going to get there. But Abora will show them they will change. And Melissa will now, out of nowhere, say that she is there for her, will stand behind her, catch her when she's fall, and she'll be there in her corner. Aren't you the one who said, I don't want to hear from this bitch no more? And I don't want to hear about this love triangle? Like, where did this come from? I want to ask you when somebody says that you have to, you're going to have to work to gain my trust back. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? You have to do more to earn. What do you mean more? That is to me. When somebody says you have to work back to earn my trust, that means nothing. You have to tell them what they have to do right. to earn their trust. Because otherwise you're setting them up, setting them up for failure. Usually when you have a conversation like that, it's a it's between two people who 
have a very real intimate relationship and something happened that pierced that intimate relationship. I don't know what their relationship is outside of the show, um, but I can't imagine that like the comment coming from Abora really was that damaging. Yeah. That it caused um, this. Yeah, and uh, it can also be that Maybe it wasn't damaging at the moment, but it wasn't about what she said, but how how Abora made Melissa feel. Maybe it's sure. th- those feelings that are so adjacent to the feelings that she had when she was in high school. So sometimes it's not about the words. Sometimes it's about how we perceive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I want to believe this is a genuine moment, but based on everything up until this point, it it just seems like a contradiction. I'm not saying that you can't be a bitch and a genuine person. I'm just afraid that the editing has made us perhaps not believe what's real and what's put on. Yeah. Now, since we are on location, it's time to put the finishing touches up on the in the tavern. Erica is going for a gnome rogue and will be going for a deep gnome because her character is a mining thief with a pickaxe. She'll be accentuating the bloodstains on the axe with some red rhinestones to give it a sparkle. That was kind of cool. I love rhinestones. Rhinestones are fun. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, (laughs) yeah. I mean. Are you a stoner? I smoke weed. But I do not rhinestone. <laughs> I commission my rhinestones from Laura Plaid. Follow Laura Plaid at Laura underscore Plaid. Laura Plaid. I, I have to do some stoning because I have something for myself to wear at DragCon. So I need to look, oh, make it look all sparkly. And yes. 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 Coco's race and class is black and questionable. And for that, standing ovation. Hilarious. Brilliant. She is a great reality Very TV funny. show character. Yes. She is going as a barbarian elf and will be using bamboo skewers to create an edgy, stabby, pointy, fuck around and find out look. Her character is based around the bad bitches of video games. And she will say here that every inch of her weapon can hurt her and someone else as well. And if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. That now, was foreshadowing, like, huh? Would you like to discuss the weapon that she is crafting in this moment? No, not yet. Okay, okay. She will say that making things out of scraps is important to her because it keeps you on your toes and keeps you guessing. She says that a person who can find scraps on the street and make it art is a person that can take what life throws at them and roll with the punches. I agree with that sentiment, but not for every single week of a drag competition for lots and lots and lots of money. I want college. And spoiler alert, this week was finally polished. Yeah, it looked really good at the end. Now, Hoso's race and class are Dark Elf Ranger. She thinks it's a mystical and interesting race. She's painting her weapon with liquid latex and using magical incantations that are written in Korean. She likes to incorporate Korean into Western themes and thinks it will turn out really interesting. I love that so much about Hoso, but the editors have to give her something else. She says this every single time. I know that, and that's what makes her so incredible. Editors, help her out, please. Give her something else to talk about. Yeah, production should, uh, during the confessionals, production should be like, well, you need to say something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, like, 
I think maybe part of my disconnect sometimes with Hoso is not that um, I don't appreciate what she gives me. I just don't completely understand it. And the editors have the chance to help her tell us what she's doing. Like, tell me what you're doing, why this part of your look is important to you as an artist and being um, someone of Korean descent. Like, tell us why, because that's how we grow and learn. Mm-hmm. For Eva, she's gone with a paladin that will be based around knights you see in pop culture video games. She is going for a clean, gorgeous silhouette that is also big and bulky like her. She is sculpting foam clay to do jewelry setting that she can paint later. Um, and those are our um, little little introduction moments. Now, if you were on a show like this, this would you be doing to your looks to talk about in this moment? What would you showcase? Um, I would most likely, um, I would most likely be dilly dallying with them because I am, uh, I am not really a person that would wait until we are in love to finish anything <laughs> um likely i'm on location that's no shade that's no it's not no shade because, and this is what um, i've said before this this moment is not real they've come with everything prepared they just need something to do right right right, right. so i don't know i would be like let me add some shading here or whatever <laughs> yeah th- i this this feels so manufactured because it's you know you is basically they ask them like you got to talk about your costumes but you can't just say i brought this from home right the problem is it's a holdover from the first two seasons when they would be making it on the spot and the show was filmed in real time of sorts that's not how it is anymore so i think like it's it is important to showcase how these things are created because that is something that that drag race will never do and that's what i think dragula does so well is we learn about the craft of drag we just yep. have to make it a little more believable. Well, this is the equivalent of the walkthrough, right? It's like we yeah. were, we're not going to have the boulets come and ask them like, and how are you feeling today? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, it's the next day or really later that afternoon with new outfits. You decide. I, I have my theory. I think it's later that afternoon. But for them, it's a new day and they have their adventuring supplies at hand. And tonight they will delve into the dock, underdock and face their greatest demons. Victoria is feeling pretty good and excited for what her team will do. And Melissa is worried about Victoria as she shares with us that she's fucking up the lines. Would love to see that, but I guess I'll take your word for it again. Eva will note that if you look out the windows of the tavern, you will see the exact place where Madeline Hatter had her famous tantrum and said, fuck the big picture, Clint. Good times. Good times. Is it so much for me to ask to have Madeline back? I love Madeline Hatter. She did great TV. She was so good. Um, how's Clint doing? Do we know how Clint's doing? I don't know how Clint's doing, no. Oh, damn it. Do you think he fucked the big picture yet? Um, no, but he's not fucked me either. God damn it, Clint. Come on, come on. Now, there's no alarm here, but there is a bell and a voiceover that was clearly added later. Uh, they say to make their way to the main stage. Well, let's be real. They had to film on location first. Come on. Don't think you can get anything over me first. Right. All right. Um, now we're going to be in the building. Uh, Drak and Swan are there in brilliant headpieces. Oh, my God. They were so cool, but they left no budget for the garment itself. It was like black draping. <laughs> the headpieces were great. Yeah, the rest. So good. Yep. We will learn that there will be a single team that will win all the treasures and be safe. 
But on the panel this week, we have actor, activist, returning judge, and one-time Tinder chat of mine, Misha Osherovich. Really? Mm-hmm. Back one in like time. 20, 2015, 2016, around that time, uh, we exchanged um, some chatting, almost met up. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. Oh. As well, we have the star of Locking Key and Queer as Folk, Eric Grace. Yay. Um, do you watch Lock and Key? No. It's so good. Everyone should go watch Lock and Key. And really, it's one of my favorite shows. It's the season, the no. show's over now, but it's really, really good. I've also not watched Queer as Folk. I haven't seen it yet. Everyone's already yelled at me. Um, I just, I don't have time to watch anything new right now. Or old. I really don't have it. Yeah. I, I, now, well, see what I do nowadays when I'm like re- getting ready for bed, I will put something old on to help me fall asleep uh, because I've mm. already seen it before. And if I miss something, it's not the end of the world. So you know what I just started watching again? The Golden Girls. Close. The Office. Oh, the, really? I have watched it multiple times, I think. Uh-huh. I watched like the first three episodes last night. I couldn't stop laughing. It's a it really funny so show. Funny. Yes. And that really was, funny. I'm also mad at myself for laughing at the things I did because it's really not PC, but it's, it's funny because it's situational. Yes. All right. So here's how we're going to do things. Because I yeah. cannot get through the scenes as a whole because they were worse than the indie theater that I used to review in New York City. We will discuss each individual look and performance as we discuss the critiques that they received. Yep. But before we discuss everything, I do want to take us out of complete order and talk about the Eva of it all. Isn't it ironic that she's the one who reminds us of the Madeline Hatter moment and she is about to have one of her own? I mean, it wasn't comparable because Madeline Hatter was going ham over something that to me was um, not really warranting that reaction compared to compared to um, Eva, who didn't have an explosive reaction. She just needed time to cool down and to compose herself and had the fear that they were going to present her as somebody weak, um, which they actually chose to end up presenting her that way, which, right. you know, yeah. I, I I didn't feel the editing here was really kind to Eva. It wasn't, and that's why I'm like, did they put it in because they had a location to do it in? Because I'm sure there's other behind-the-scene moments in every challenge that we don't get to see. Why yeah. was it this one on this location where we've already previously had one of the most infamous meltdowns in show history? It just it, it felt icky. And not only because I'm a diehard Eva Destruction fan... People go through mo- emotions like that. You get yeah. hot, you get overwhelmed, you feel a certain way, but they're like, hi, we're going to make a joke out of it because you look silly now. And it's not because you talk to one person about it, you talk to two people, no, three people, you just keep talking about it. And it was just like, if she's emotionally going through something psychological, why are we, why are we making fun of it? Yeah, and also I didn't, I didn't think it was that consequential to the episode because not at they, all. Like, didn't if, they end up if this winning? was her elimination... Oh my god, that that would have been like, oh my god, this is why she lost, but but it, nothing. But it wasn't, yeah, nothing. So 
let's talk about it. She is. She starts to say that she's feeling overwhelmed. We see her be taken to the side by the producers multiple times, individual people in individual locations. And then Abora says that Eva forgot to have fun. And then Eric is going to get read for it later, which is like bullshit. I'm like, come on. Uh, like I said, what, what, what do we make of this whole display? That was so unnecessary, and I wish it would have spent some time on other things. There's only one part of the entire thing that I will say was camp. What was it? The Innis Saboteur. Yes, when they brought that up, that was so funny. I cackled. Because she knew what she did. Yes. She knew. And... I know we, I've had a lot of people on the podcast come on discussing Dragula Titans being like the parallels between this and Dragula, they are real. They are leaning into it. They, they are leaning into it. Like we have to admit Dragula is part of our vernacular nowadays. Really no is. one can ever say inner saboteur and not think of, um, of just a drag. Yes. Do you have an inner saboteur? What's their name? Um, they don't really have a name. They just go by not you again. Um, <laughs> it's um, not only PJ? No, no. That's my ex. <laughs> that No, that's actually my ex. My ex's oh, name is PJ. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Um, well, no, I... Um, my inner... This will sound so horrible. My inner saboteur is defeated by... An edible. Um, at the last, at the last drag gauntlet, I actually performed live for the roast of Arabella, and I have a really bad track record of performing live at the gauntlet. I have bombed many live performances, and um, I didn't understand why I was feeling so uh, overwhelmed and so worried about my number. And then I realized because I didn't buy, I didn't eat an edible. Here it is. There it is. All right. Well, I'm going to have an edible after this podcast. But before then, we're talking about the floor show and every and the performance yes. and everything. In honor of the floor show, we are going to play victory or defeat. Yes. Okay. First up, Erica Clash. No designers listed. Um, give her credit. Again, this is something different in the paint department. I think the color she chose in the light is so muted that it does get an effect that she appears emotional. She needed a little more depth and contrast on her face to really give it more of a lifelike appearance. I think the trench coat is a bit on the simpler side, but she's a gamer. She's colorful. Adding the stones, bring it into this colorful world while she's still playing into the minor motif. The brown tights are a complete no-no for me. Is it sophisticated? No. Can it be improved? Yes. Now her acting, hoo, 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 left a lot to be desired, but at least her line ratings felt normal. I think her role was very limited. She had the least to work with, literally only had three lines before she died. So if she picked the part that, or it was design, assigned, it was all signs leading to her death. Yeah, so I didn't know about this because obviously I am not into D&D, but um, I was watching uh, a YouTuber yesterday. Uh, oh, oh, what's his name? Something Rants. Da, 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 da. I can't remember, and now I am looking it up. I should have locked it, looked it up er, earlier. Uh, da, 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 da. Ba, 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 da, ba. Maddie, 
Maddie Rance. Yeah, I was watching Maddie Rance yesterday, and uh, he had a guest that was really into D&D and explained that mm-hmm. this look is a word-for-word recreation of a look in uh, D&D book number five. So okay. that this was not only drag, but also kind of veered into cosplay in which she was taking the literal descriptions of this character from a book and making it into real life. Um, she still looked like she was the ring pop lord. Um, uh, and it was sad to to see that even though she was being so faithful to the book that it looked i mean if you're adding rhinestones to something from party city still going to look like something from party city with rhinestones you know um as somebody who's rhinestone something from walmart before you know yeah, yeah i mean is it shiny? Yes, but it's still from Walmart. So, um, yeah, I also thought that the make there was so much of the makeup that she could have done more. Um, just the eye shape I found pretty boring and dull. Uh, I don't even think, I mean, I don't even wear a lash, so I shouldn't be talking about it. I don't even think she was wearing a lash, which is fine. But when the the when the look is just so simple, it was really just black eyeliner. Yeah. Right? There was no death to anything on her face. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then they were so shady uh, during the elimination. I'm skipping ahead, but whatever. During the elimination, when they asked her to take off the eyepiece and she had nothing on the other eye, it was so funny to me. Uh, funny in a sad way. Eric was conflicted because he really loves the playful character, but thinks some of the costume elements took him out of the fantasy. He called the boots hot topic boots and the gloves were biker gloves. Misha didn't mind. It was a a perfect rendering of a fantasy character because she had a point of view and an opinion. They do wish they brought that point of view to life in the performance as it felt a bit like it was limiting herself. Drax says the look was not up to the standards the other competitors are bringing. She had imperfections in the makeup behind her ear, which showed up on camera. She says she had a lot of fun with it. Swan says the out- that outside of judging between them as people, she wants her to take a deep breath in and out as she has been hard at work and hard on herself. She tells her to smile as she's a fucking gnome with gems all over. She says she hopes she can find the joy in this experience because when she looks back, she won't say, I wish I stressed more love real person advice but as erica said on social media would have loved to know him being too serious an episode earlier but you didn't give me a critique yep and i think that's uh really on them i feel like um well you were saying also earlier how there is two different storylines of one person saying you have to take it more seriously and the other person say you have to be more fun Mm -hmm. and i think it's because their baseline is different i feel like erica's baseline is taking things seriously because they're so passionate and that's how they uh that's how their passion comes through is by taking things very seriously so yeah it was disappointing that they didn't get that critique earlier but now you know i'm gonna give this look a defeat me too audience 20 percent victory 80 percent defeat Yep. Next up, Abora. Look by Abora. Shoes by Cy Barshirshet. 
she's certainly playing into the basic white bitch motif with that red and black plaid uh, i like that there's this demonic aura about her while still paying homage to the elvian race the wood shoes are a choice not sure how she moved but good for you this was safe um now abort took on a character with an accent and committed to it it may not have been perfect but i got where she was coming from and then abort flipping with the well okay out of character voice was very campy very funny and that is what we needed more of in these scenes i thought abora did a very serviceable job in the performance abora's performance i enjoyed and um her outfit was i mean it was fine i gave her a victory based on the performance um but yeah the outfit is fine (laughs) it's just fine like if if some basic bitch went camping i could see them wearing this while they're at the campfire not the face obviously but the rest of it but the rest, yes, of course. Not that, not that makeup, but the rest. No, of it. no, no. Um, this look for me, the victory. The audience agrees. Seventy-six percent victory, twenty-four percent defeat. Yes. Next up, Victoria Black. Look by Mr. Oyster and Victoria. She is soft, Mama. That paint is remarkable. Um, I think the hair is brilliant. The floral headpiece is spot on. The blue she has on is beautiful. I do think the proportions are a bit unusual. The puffy sleeves are traditional, but they make it look odd because there's no dress or pant below it. So the proportions are off, but she is showing leg Henny. Uh, That is real person leg. She's such a versatile artist. And that's what we got to celebrate with the performance. When the first lines of the scene are, where are we? What is this old holy place? They were delivered so poorly that I knew she was doomed. There's bad acting and there's never set foot on a stage ever again. This was cringe. Yeah, she should be very thankful that Erica was still there. Yeah. Because, yeah, the I think the outfit is lacking. Um, It's uh i found myself saying it's a beautiful fabric but if that's the biggest compliment that i can give about an outfit then that's fair yeah um she looked re- like she looked so beautiful from the neck up she was exquisite mm-hmm. um and there was a lot of detail um on the parts of the out on the uh bust of the outfit the bust part of the outfit like there was a lot of detail that you couldn't see from the wide shot so from the wide shot it looked way more simple than it really was um priestess so you have an you have incense sure um yeah i actually would give this a defeat all right Eric says he didn't know who the character was and wanted her to imbue a little more of that characterization and would have taken it over the edge. Drax says the look is high elf realness. She says she is showing a lot of variety this season, which she appreciates. She says she fumbled her lines, but the look was great. Misha says they saw her thinking instead of trusting and diving in, and they say bringing that confidence back is important in a fantasy horror like this. Swan says that she was a liability to her team because almost every take she didn't have her line. She says it became frustrating watching and it must have been frustrating for the rest of the team. I'll give it a victory. You're going with defeat? I am, yeah. The audience, 80% victory, 20% defeat. I'm that 20%. 
Next I up still is- can't. I'm sorry. I still can't forget that one time where everybody um, tooted poor. What's her name? Jurigi, and I was the only Jurigi. one. And I was the only one that booted it. That was hilarious. All right, who's next? Astrid, no design assistant. Uh, her paint is very glam, but very otherworldly and fantasy. The materials are perfect for the character and gives you an assortment of textures and colors. The pants are epic as they have that skirt element to it. Mm. She did exactly what she needed to do to easily portray the character she was or was not tasked to do. And to tell her that it was too obvious is shameful to the boules. Um, Astrid has a natural flair for acting, but she was playing the lines very modern when that contradicted the text. It was a good effort and could have been fine if everyone else was at her level in the same scene. Astrid has some comedy in the scene. I think she could have been a top if she was on the other team. Yep. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I really enjoyed um, the outfit. I think it's so well put together. And the cla- the fabrics uh, or the patterns um, complement each other, even though they're widely different. I like that she was playing at the instrument live because that's the whole point of the bard is that they're a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think that she did great. Eric says he plays the bard in D&D and says she was the character he wanted to get most invested in and she held the group down in a great, lot of great ways. Misha says this is their favorite look of the bunch. They say her attitude sits well in what they're wearing. Swan says she appreciates the authenticity in the fabrics, the shape, the antiquity that is the instrument. And we're going to learn this is a dulcimer, which is the loot family, but she retuned it to sound more medieval. Swan says she wasn't breaking grounds when it comes to the bards, but she thinks it was overall solid. Track got some information from the director that she was pushing back on him as the words were trying to, as she was trying to direct the director. Astrid says she has an accidental abrasive personality, but definitely never meant to take control in any kind of way. All right. Let's All right. discuss this whole moment. In, in the season of the flashback, why was there no flashback here? Exactly. Yeah. This I is will, my problem. This yeah, is why I, I have waiting. a problem because you can't tell me something happened and not show me that it happened. I need to see it. I need to hear it because now you're saying, okay, last year we did not crown Hoso because she wasn't um, professional enough. Now you're going to say, Astrid, you might not be professional enough. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I have to take their word for it. And because everything else going into the season is so unreliable, I don't know how to feel. Yeah. This is what I really, I really needed that flashback here and if they show us the flashback later i'm still gonna be pissed because the flashback should have been here right of her acting quote-unquote unprofessional because it's justifying what they want to happen yes there's a reason why again not trying to compare but there's a reason why we see the rehearsals or the filming of these challenges on drag race because we can see it in in time what yeah. had happened and real we, time we understand yeah. okay this happened so that might be a reason why this will happen later on we didn't get it not here if this is and that's the thing it's like you're going to put this in here it's probably going to be a plot point for later on in the season mm-hmm. i don't know how i feel Regardless, this look was great. It's a victory. It is a victory. It's a smashing victory. The audience, 86% victory, 14% defeat. Next up is Eva Destruction. Uh, No designers listed. 
So this was giving me Rosé as Max from Stranger Things at Medieval Times. Funny, this was giving me like Wendy's in the 1610s. <laughs> I think the pop art elements that Eva introduces in the armor and her paint are exceptional. It's smart and a great use of pulling a character off of a page. It is all ruined by the blue and white piece because it does not have the same artistic effect. And because it's so bold and centralized on the look, it pulls focus in such a negative way. This could have been a winning look, but alas. Also, Eva played herself just saying funny lines. Um. I feel that the blue piece in the middle needed to have a cross. If it, it had something, it, it, it was just that white thing with no artistic embellishments. Well, to it. even in, well, even if it was just that white thing, it should have it should not be in a circle with a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven with an eight point star. It should have been a circle with a cross because there was not any. There wasn't any. Um, religious uh um or like Chris, i guess christian connotation to this and paladins were from the church so that's what i needed from this otherwise like the uh eva foam um armor that she created like it looks amazing and mm-hmm. her face looks amazing yep yeah it, um I think this is a I think this is a soft victory. She That's survived the battle. Too. Oh my god, Samesies. Oh. The audience too, Samesies. 65% victory, 35% defeat. Yeah, that's a soft victory. <laughs> Hoso Teratoma, no designers listed. I love that for once she has nothing intruding on her face and we can see her brilliant paint in full. The colors are similar to the palette she used before, but it's the high pony that is the story here. It is so cute, it is so playful. I want it. Um, she's got a lot of fur going on, so I wonder if she is a pet of this little team. Uh, Hoso is a very definitive version of their art, and I need a variation at least once this season if she's going to want the crown, because again, if you're talking about Victoria being diverse and giving versatility, Hoso needs to step up and up. Um, but Hoso took on a stereotypical voice when she picked her character, which was a choice, and it worked for what she presented. Um, and that axe in the hand was painful. Um, Coco did warn us. Yeah. Yeah, she was bleeding from that. Which, again, glad that they showed it. I'm exactly. glad that they showed Yeah. Um, I hate this. I'm kidding. No, I don't. Um, I think it's impossible to dislike any of the looks that Hoso has presented. They've been so well put together very Hoso's brand, so recognizable. The silhouette is recognizable. Um, Hoso's makeup is beyond. Yeah, this is great. I am very glad that we have Hoso back on Titans. Eric is obsessed with the look and says it's beyond drag for him. Misha says they too have been sliced in the forehead during the shoot of a horror film, but they committed and that's what she did. And that was impressive. Drax says she knocked it out of the park with the look. She's especially in love with a little top knot hairdo. She says she became a very different person completely. And Swan says she was the deadliest dark elf in the woods and appreciated a lot of the runic details that brought to the armor. It had magic imbued into it. It set her imagination aflame and oppressed her. It's a victory for me. It is a very big victory for me as well. The audience, 93% victory, 7% defeat. Yes. 
Coco Kane, no designers listed. She has the most clothes on this week, and yet it's her best. My point is proven. You need more than a panty and a bra. Take note to whoever comes next. Mm-hmm. She's infused comedy into the look and her performance. The materials she selected live within the world she has created, as well as feel authentic to the drag persona she presents. It's the best hair she's had all season. This is the growth I want to see from Coco Kane. If y'all love her as the character, this needs to match, and she's finally doing it. Now, like Astrid, she took the modern approach to her dialogue and it worked to her advantage. It worked because she had a good scene partner to play off of. Yes. The single finger truce shake was hilarious. The thing she did with um, Abora. I was like, that's what I want to see more of in these scenes. Great job for her. It was an amazing week to be Coco Kane. It sure was. Yeah. And she looked amazing and her makeup was so, so good. Uh, it usually always is. Um, yeah. The only thing that I didn't like is when she was. Uh, doing the floor show she was so I understand that her character has to be strong to be wielding this weapon but the way that she was carrying herself and literally carrying the weapon it was clear to me that the weapon wasn't heavy no Um, and it broke the illusion for me I wanted her to really like swing back and like shift that um, center of gravity to the back because if she was holding this at the front just standing the way she is she would tip over yes so that was that's the only um, thing that I can really uh, say about Coco besides how amazing she was this episode yeah this is when you take like a little acting class you learn those little niche things that you do but if that's the only gripe we have this episode yeah it's still good she did a great job uh, yeah the hair is so good not not until you mentioned uh not until you mentioned how amazing her hair is now i'm like zooming in um i'm on the dragula instagram making sure that i refresh my memory uh mm-hmm. and also give give those likes and give those comments to those ghouls because they they really do deserve it Eric screamed when he saw the look. He said the weaponry is something you could use in real life and maim somebody. He says that if she was in a D&D campaign, she would more than likely be one of his favorite characters. Misha appreciated she went for the comedy and taking the risk. Swan loves the look with proportions they've grown to expect only from Coco Kane. She says the details of the look combined with the risk of the performance sold it. She thought she was incredible, and Drax says she could see Coco the Barbarian in the movie. She says her look was great, her acting challenge was great, and her individual floor show was great. It's a victory! It's a huge victory. So much so that the audience, 100% victory. Hello. 100% and, club. And finally, Melissa B. Fierce, no designers listed. It is a bra and panty, and that is simply not going to be enough. Finally, finally, she is showing us that face we know and love, and it's beautiful. The hair is glam and perfect in the wind. But this felt like a knockoff look from the UK versus the world um, promo look, what they tried to do. <laughs> The material is so cheap. Like I would have rather have shift robotic cat suits that look good than cheaply made gold bra that looks like it's too snug and about to fall off. Um, I see more story in Erica's look than Melissa's and no excuse for fishnets. Either show leg or wear tights. Fishnets are not in the D&D universe. Now the acting. No, it's a no for me. If she was on Drag Race, she'd not only be in the bottom. Rue would say that her acting was so bad that she doesn't even need to see her lip sync. She's gone. 
I get that English is their second language, but this wasn't even an issue of that. There's commitment and then there's bad acting. This was terrible. And the fact that she gets justified for trying is a shame to everyone who actually can do the craft of acting. Was she mad? Yes. Was her intensity at 100? Yes. Was it terrible? Yes. Yeah, Melissa was not fierce. No. No, 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 no. Um, um, uh, so as somebody who doesn't uh, do a lot of horror or uh, looks that are dragulesque, uh, that's a new word. Has anybody ever dragulesque? It's yours. It's mine. Um, I understand Melissa's approach to this. She needed to push herself way further uh, because I see that there are details, but there are not a lot of details on that base outfit. It really is just a gold and black bra. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I... I think, yeah, I think the performance really brought it down even further. Um, I And that's the thing yeah. that I just, I can't understand. I can't understand how they're like, you were passionate, you were good, you're safe. No, it was not good. Are we watching the same thing? Or is this just because in, in the storyline that they set up before the season, it was Erica's time to go. And even if Melissa was bad, we had to still save her. Yeah, I... Uh... I knew that she wasn't going to be in the bottom because, you know, we had Victoria and we had Erica. Uh, but this was worthy of the bottom. I wish yeah. they had a third person on that shoot. Literally. All right. So Swan says this is a drag competition and they are not expecting her to take lines like an award-winning actor, but says she was spirited and excited to be there. She says there was vitality and her energy and attitude was correct. Drax says her floor show was great and says in the acting challenge, she memorized the script and levered it with passion. Misha says, when you do a line of dialogue or physical action, you have to commit all the way through. They say she has such good energy that they wanted to see it carry through to the end to the line and the end of the sword swing. They say she was a goddamn, she was goddamn close and enjoyable to watch. Hmm. Doesn't cut it for me. It's a defeat. Yeah, I do not like this. I would also say a defeat. The audience, 68% defeat, 32% victory. Hmm. The winning group is Abora, Eva, Hoso, and Coco. I agree. That makes I sense. I agree. Yes. Coco wins, leaving Eva, Abora, and Hoso safe. Do you agree with that? Um, I am so happy and glad to see Coco win a challenge. I think mm-hmm. it, it is well-deserved. Uh, she pushed herself. Uh, she looked amazing. Um, she acted amazing. So, yeah, it's very well deserved. Yeah, I'm here for it. On the losing side, Astra and Melissa are safe with Victoria and Erica as the bottom two. I think you agree. I'm not sure I do. Yeah, and I think it's just... Um, I I mean, both the acting and the looks, I feel like Astrid was not going to be in the bottom. Not a chance. Not a chance. So, do you think Melissa should have been in the bottom? I then? do. I do because I think maybe it's just because I'm so angry at the ex- the real excuse they gave Erica for why she was in the bottom of her not being happy and having fun. That's just like rubbed me such the wrong way when you when you have eyes and ears and can see Melissa acting terribly and wearing yeah. a brown panty. Um, that's where I'm at, but I understand why they did what they did because she's not giving you the show that they wanted. Yep, she isn't. Melissa is. Mm-hmm. 
In the cauldron, Coco is not surprised that her team won. <laughs> so how are the bottoms feeling? Well, Victoria is feeling disappointed in herself for not pulling through for the team. She didn't go as hard as she could have. And Abora doesn't think that Victoria pulled her team down. No, no, no. It's acting. It's not her strong suit. And acting is believing. Shade. Astrid tells us <laughs> that it's just one challenge. and She has so many things that so many people would die to have. And yes, budget is one of them. She's got a lot of money. As Astrid says, this may be their last one last chance to get Victoria out of the competition and that very evil, horrible person inside wants it to happen. If only we still had that vote technique from the first episode and it was still active. Yeah, it never came back, huh? No, and there's no way to save yourself. It's just up to the blaze now, so... Yes. What's the point? What is the point? Erica says she's been playing the game as hard as she possibly could, and Melissa says, don't be hard on yourself. She tells her she's on Titans and it's the best of the best, but Erica is mad that she didn't reach the goal she came there to reach. Mm-hmm. She says the experience has been amazing, but she spent so much time focusing on not being present and, and not being present as she could have been. Yep. Eva thinks Erica needs to chill and is taking things too seriously and wants to just shake her and have fun. But then we're going to have a little moment where Victoria and Eva will have a side conversation where Victoria says that she will stay because of her track record and knowing what she could do moving forward, she can blow the shit out of the water. She's got a fire under her ass and will push her way to the end and people need to die. Okay. So then Coco's like, that's the last thing we need, Victoria to come back with a vengeance. So should we call it right now? Victoria wins the show. Is this a plot device? Is that what we're being set up for? Um, I think it... Um, okay, so I feel like... I think the only other time where Victoria has received negative critiques was for the challenge where she was the pregnant alien. Mm-hmm. And that her critique... Bullshit! But her critique was that it wasn't drag enough. That it was mm-hmm. too sci-fi or too... What, what, I don't even remember. I don't the strides know. we've taken since then. Yeah, right. Um, so I think it was... In, in, her, in her story arc, it was time for Victoria to have a moment where she stumbled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she was right that be- like because of track record because actually track record matters in this uh <laughs> in this TV show it that she sure wasn't going to huh it sure does it sure does so her track record you know through all three of her t- you know like she she's not going to go home she really needed to stumble twice or three times worse than everybody else to be justifiably sent home. It's not always fun watching a perfect season. As much as we love Land Insider, it was a perfect season. Um, I think I think it's enjoyable to watch a perfect season of the beginning and the end is the middle mm-hmm. yes. that can get a little boring, um, which we're in the middle, you know what I mean? Um, but to me, to see a perfect season, to see somebody have a perfect season is so enjoyable at the beginning when they get that win or that high at the beginning. And then at the end, when it's like the the semifinal, the episode before the finale, and they never plays below safe. I want to shout out Rusty Hammer because that's what he did at Gauntlet uh, 4. He was never below safe. And it was just so... It was just so exciting to see somebody be 
win high, win, win high, high, high. Like, oh, it's so exciting to see at the end. But I can, I understand in the middle, it can get a little dull or repetitive. Well, Eva says that not everyone can be a thespian and says, just look at Astrid. She's yet to win anything. So maybe that's her future, no wins. But Victoria says, if this is her last day, she loves them all and feels so genuine with their friendships and prompts Abora to say, that Victoria is good at acting. Funny. funny. <laughs> Erica says that if it is her last day, she did have fun and just wanted to do her best. She's a logical person. She's giving it mm-hmm. her best, but her best isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Now we will see Erica and Abora have a moment where they acknowledge they will no longer waste any time on the resentment. They are going to be friends and she's going to let her own fear of disappointment go away, and they will be friends after sitting down in hell soon. And then everyone's like, oh, Abora's going home soon. And I think they were like, oh, wait, we were not supposed to tell that plotline yet. <laughs> after a little dulcimer interlude, we go to ascend the staircases of souls to the ghostly gallery where Erica, she's eliminated. Victoria stays to slay another day. Do you agree? Uh, I agree, but I still, my heart still goes to Erica because they force her to take off the eye patch. And we just saw their naked eye as she waited her demise. Yeah. Well, yeah. next time, friends, do your full face and then put the eye patch on. Well, yep. Which, yeah. Hello. Like, just put a little eyeliner. I mean, it would have been hard for her to match her other eye considering it was just eyeliner <laughs> yeah all right i got some burning questions for you to wrap up this podcast shall we start oh burning questions i have an ointment for that what's erica's legacy oh oh um i don't know what you asked because my internet gave out can you please repeat I, the question i said what is erica's legacy uh erica's legacy i think I think Erica's legacy is her uh, her quintessential entrance wig. Yeah, I think for Erica, she has a very specific brand of drag. Yes. Um, it will fit the mold of Dragula if you let it fit the mold, mold of Dragula, but she's never going to be the monster that the Willays want her to be. And that sucks. And I can understand the psychological um, turmoil that you go through being like, I'm not going to be good enough for the people that I want to be good enough for. Um, I just hope um, after everything she wrote the other day on social media that the Boulets do reach out to her and say, no, you are good enough. We, you are part of the family because yes. um, I don't think she got it. I don't think she ever got like love and admiration from them. Even on, on season two. Yeah. And I think that, I think that this is not the first time somebody says that about their experience in Dracula. So I think yeah. there needs to be a little introspection uh, from the Boulets part. Uh, but I think, I think her legacy is also, her uh, Twitch streams and her playthroughs and mm-hmm. how, um, how own world. yeah, how connected she is with her little clashes. I don't know what she calls her um, her followers, um, but yeah, like I catch her streams. You should go follow her on Twitch, um, which uh, she's going to be doing a midnight stream of. Um, uh, da, 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 uh, the new Pokemon coming out, so you should go watch that uh, video on demand. Ooh. All right, who's going to be eliminated next? I think that I think that for the storyline to go anywhere, I think 
I think it has to be either Astrid or Abora next. I think you're right in the sense of a storyline because that's how we're really looking at things nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I um, have to, yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it should probably be Abora um, based on her, her arc. She's now gotten closure in the Erica situation. Mm-hmm. She has reconciled with the remainder of the cast in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, whether the Melissa chat was for a voice for all of them or just for her, whatever it is, I think Abora's chapter is dimming not because she's bad at the art of drag on Dragula. It's because what we've already been presenting is not a winner's edit. Yes. Yeah. I. Or Melissa, send Melissa home. I would like Melissa to go home personally, but I just don't see that happening either right now. I just don't want to see. Okay. This will be very shady. I just don't see Melissa in the finals. No, not, not in this cast. Not a chance. So, so like, you know, she's going to have to go home at some point, so. Well, after four episodes, the winner of the season is. Um, I'm a recent, I really love Coco. So I really hope that she is in this upward uh, trend and she keeps at it. Because if she keeps on this upward trend, she she's just... She's she's just so good. <laughs> she's so good. I would love to see Coco win, but if if Coco doesn't win, which you know, odds maybe not to her favor, I think Hoso would be such a good and deserving winner. This is gonna be a shock to many people who listen to the podcast and know me. Um, I'm no longer going to say that Eva's gonna win. Um, I, it breaks my heart to even say it, but plotline storyline after this episode. Even with her being in the bottom, it's Victoria's going to win. They have they are setting her up for this arc. Um, it's very much in the world of Alaska having um, her her ten thousand dollar PayPal moment. This was like almost her moment where like oh my god she can stumble. You can have the opportunity to send her home, but you're not going to because she's too good. Imagine um, if we were still voting. That's what I'm th- saying. This season would be fucking brilliant if we were still voting. Do you think? She would have gotten eliminated if it was yes. her and Erica in the bottom. Absolutely. We would have had voting. a Manila moment. It would have been shocked. The people would be talking about it. But no, we have a predetermined result. And I think Victoria's winning. Hmm. Interesting. We just got to see. We just got to subscribe to that shutter and keep catching this episode. Or AMC Plus, because then you get all the AMC channels as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, life hack. There it is. All right, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Yes, thank you so much. I am, I, every, time I, every time I come to the podcast, I say that I'm the busiest I've ever been, but this time I really do mean it. Um, all my socials is at DragQueenJP, uh, including my Venmo, at DragQueenJP. I will be competing in cycle seven of the Boston Drag Gauntlet. It's called All Stars, All Cities. So, um, Previous contestants from Providence Gauntlet, Boston Gauntlet, and Worcester Drag Wars are coming back to fight for that gauntlet one more time. Uh, tickets go on sale uh, December 1st, and the season runs from March until... Question mark. Uh, 
<laughs> it is at Legacy Nightclub, but otherwise you can find me at Full Spin, uh, at uh, the Crystal Ballroom. We're doing Mariah number ones. Uh, we're doing all Mariah's number ones on uh, Wednesday, uh, December 7th. And otherwise you can find me everywhere in the city. Uh, I am booked and blessed, uh, a little stressed, and sometimes constipated. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. Thanks for being here. The biggest thanks to Just JP for coming on. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theothernow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Thank you.